You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Just as one new trek wraps the season, another is getting heated up. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and that must mean it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos, and tonight we are back to discuss the season four finale of Star Trek Discovery, Coming Home. Then we'll jump over to Star Trek Picard, season two, episode three, Assimilation. But that's all. I don't want to be assimilated. It's so scary. No, no, who does? Nobody does. (laughs) Yeah, not even a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. not even a little bit. Um, That's a lot of ground to cover, you guys, though. And naturally, we are counting on your calls and comments, so you know what to do. Yes, you do. You click on the Zoom link or you give us a ring using the one tap from your smartphone or you call us at 699-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and the password that you see in the show notes and on screen. And uh, then you'll be in the Earl Green Room. And you'll talk to Earl, and then you'll talk to us, and it'll be great. By the way, speaking of us and all of you, let's say hi very quickly to the people who are in the Facebook chat. There's Paul number one. I think there's Paul number two. Maybe we'll have a third Paul tonight. I really hope so. Hope we have a Paul Fecta. There's Sam. There's Jason. Jason finally can join in the live show. I know that he's been commenting a lot with us on uh, Facebook, but glad to see you here live. Scott Palm, have a note from Scott to share with everybody a little bit later. Uh, there's Dave, and let's see, there's Alan, the meme king of Mission Logland. Uh, ooh, there's Bob. Bob Amos. Shocking. There, <laughs> there's Valeria. What? Is, uh, what? Well, my dad said that there's an Amos trifecta. Dad, are you counting you, me, and mom? Or there's another Amos that he, I'm unaware of? He must. I think that would be okay. great. Yeah. Okay. You, you, okay. Got, you got three Amoses in one place. That's great. Okay. Joined virtually. Uh, let's see. There's Carlos. There's Dave number two saying hi to both of us. And uh, ooh, let's see. There's Chris Riker. Oh, wait a minute. Is it Carlos's birthday? What? Really? Oh, that's... I, I guess so. Yay, happy birthday. So, because Chris is saying happy birthday to Carlos. So happy birthday, Carlos. That's excellent. There's Jane and, oh, so many people. I'm glad that we've got a nice crowd tonight. Um, you know what? I, tonight, I just feel like there is so much to cover. And by the way, we already have four callers lined up. <laughs> that wow. makes me very happy because there's so much to talk about in Disco and Picard. I do want to let everybody know very quickly what's coming up this week. So Mission Log drops Voyager Episode 3 this Thursday. That's time and again. Uh, let's see. Prodigy just released its Episode 1 through 5 uh, fan perspective show uh, retrospective. And then not this week, but next week we'll uh, drop episodes six through 10 retrospectives. So be sure to check that out. Norman and Ashley have a great conversation. Uh, Mission Log the Orville this Wednesday will have Sanctuary out and uh, Engage. Okay, Engage is back, but it's not because we recorded it and it didn't get out in time. So I promise there will be engaged this week and maybe just the days of the week will be wrong. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. And it's the internet and time has no meaning. Um, but whatever it is, make sure you stay in touch with us at podcast.roddenberry.com where all of our shows are listed. And now Holly, if you'll indulge me, I, it's not quite as short a recap as it did last time. Well, I wouldn't expect it to be. It's the finale. Yeah, I mean, it's the finale. So much happens, but I will power through the finale wrap up of disco season four with episode 13 coming home. Are we all ready? Are we all ready? Deep breath, I'm, everyone. I'm prepared. Okay. <laughs> 
While every available resource from the Federation is attempting to evacuate Navarre, Earth, and Titan, with Lieutenant Tilly and Admiral Vance leading the effort, things on Discovery are getting more desperate. Tarka is doing whatever he can to evade the orbs that the 10C use, and he's not getting a bit of help from Book. General Endoya has outed herself as the one who vented Disco's plasma and jeopardized the mission, and the 10C are getting very confused about all of this, probably thinking that the Discovery crew are working with Tarka to do what he's doing. Communication is getting more difficult, and President Tarina volunteers to mind meld with the 10C, which she does through one of Discovery's windows, and that just lands her in sickbay. She did come back with a bit of interesting recon, though, that the 10C tend to think and act as a collective rather than as individuals. As Tarka gets closer to deploying his weapon, Book and Reno find a way out of their confines using Grudge's hollow disruptor. It's even time, uh, it's enough time to knock Tarka out and get Reno back to Discovery, but with communications down and Book's ship still programmed to destroy the 10C hyperfield, Disco is still low on options. They did manage to get out of their own 10C orb, but only by burning out the spore drive. Now they're free in a sense, but they need to stop Book's ship, and that leaves an unlikely strategy with an unlikely volunteer, General Endoya, who will pilot a shuttle on a suicide mission to take down Book's pattern interrupter, which means they could actually beam everybody back and disarm the threat to the 10C. General Endoya makes it, punches a hole right in Book's ship. Disco is able to beam her back, but it's tougher to get a lock on the other two. Now it's just a race to get them out before the ship is obliterated by the hyperfield. And Tarka makes it easier, transferring enough power to allow Book to transport while he will use his own interdimensional transporter to go elsewhere. Maybe if the power source works, we'll never know since Book's ship is destroyed by the hyperfield moments later, and, tragically, Book's transporter signal was lost in the attempt. Burnham is devastated, but a new orb from the 10C approaches, and she is determined. The situation around Earth gets worse. With only a couple of hours remaining, all the ships that could make it away to the rendezvous point. That just leaves Tilly and Vance to share a sip of whiskey and wait as the final hours of destruction take out Earth and them along with it. The 10C have guided Discovery to a place in their homeworld and sent transport for a delegation from the ship to meet them face to uh, face. It's a new dialogue about trying to explain what happened with Book and Tarka and how the Discovery crew are many rather than one, but share some similar ideals and values. Also, that they have gone through loss on a massive scale and it's about to happen again. The 10C are sympathetic and stop the DMA, much to the astonishment and delight of the Discovery crew and everyone back on Navarre and Earth, not to mention Tilly and Vance. But there's more. Burnham is still hurting from the loss of Book, and the 10C recognize her pain. They then amazingly deliver Book to the group, having intercepted the transporter signal when it was initiated, as they didn't know what it was. Book makes a plea, explaining that the DMA destroyed his world and others. They agree to use it only in uninhabited areas, but that's not good enough for Book. He tells them that the toxic mess left behind is a danger no matter what, and they can't keep living behind the protection of the hyperfield. They all still share the same space, regardless of the wall that separates them. The 10C agree to shut it down entirely, and as one last gesture, they open up a wormhole to send Discovery home. 
It's drinks all around as Disco goes home, and there's more reason to celebrate when Tilly comes back to visit her old friends. Speaking of friends, Tarina even finds the words to open up to Saru that a relationship would be worth it for the right individual. Aww. With everyone safe, President Rilak even offers a word of admiration to Captain Burnham and the potential command of a Voyager-class ship, which she knows Michael will turn down. Book will work off his crimes, so I guess he'll see her around the galaxy. As a last bit of business, the Federation has a visitor. Navarre has rejoined. Teller Prime never left. And now it's time for Earth. Without hesitation, the President of United Earth announces to Federation President Rilak that they are back. The end. Yay! My oh my, so much <laughs> happening. And there's like 800 callers. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's cool because if you're in the Earl Green Room, he says you are getting the full Hollywood Squares effect in there, which is very cool. Um, I do have a couple of messages uh, from listeners uh, that, that they shared with me that I, I want to share a little bit later in our discussion on disco. But I say we just get right to our first caller, unless Holly, you do, you've got a hot take that you have to drop before uh, we go to our first caller. I don't have any hot t- Tilly, that's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is an appropriate and acceptable hot take. Uh, I do like, here, here's my hot take hot and sour soup. Yay! I love you, and I get you, Jet Reno. All right, well, let's go to our first caller of the night, calling all the way from Cetacean Ops. It's Chris. Chris, how you doing? Hey guys, doing good, doing good. Yeah, good. I know we've got a very long queue, so I will attempt to be brief here. Uh, but man, did they stick the landing or what? This is by far the best finale they've done. They also did the very difficult task of making me think that everyone was at some point going to die and then killing nobody, but it not feeling like a cop-out. So good job, writer's room, uh, for having stakes, but actually... <laughs> Tarka died. Thanks. Well, <laughs> of our like, yes, Tarka died. No, but wait, no, he like, had his interdimensional credit. transporter uh, invented yeah, in another timeline by, uh, yeah. you know, by Miles O'Brien. So, sure. No, yeah. he did. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> yes, he did. But of our like actual like opening credit like squad. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I actually have in my in my notes I say genuine, I feel like books should have died. <laughs> really? You just yeah. think they should have left him a really, really Yeah, I th- um I I don't I don't feel like the death is I knew that they were going to bring him back somehow. Yeah. And I, so when he like died or when we thought he died, I appreciated the emotion that Burnham displayed. Um, and then, you know, getting right back to it. But I, when they beamed him back in, I was like, Oh, he should have died. Wow. <laughs> Especially I, because they don't. So they were like, Oh, we put him in stasis. Cause we didn't understand the technology. We didn't understand what was going on. How could they do that? If they didn't know what the technology was like, how are they even anyways, I have some thoughts. Sure. 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 Or, or they could have <laughs> thought it was a weapon. I mean, why would you put that in stasis? So, you know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I love his character. I love that actor. I think he's doing a great job. I see why they saved him because we obviously would like him to be in, but I genuinely, I was like, well, he should have died. <laughs> well, I, I thought uh, everything around him was uh, very much earned, and I thought that the the emotional beat for Burnham was great. 
mm-hmm. you know uh, uh disco takes a lot of i i think maybe uh misplaced or hyperbolic criticism about the emotionality on the show i will say that that this is a moment that i absolutely feel like was just so genuine and so earned so i i was glad to experience that it, it was a show it was an episode that had a lot of terrific emotional moments i i think you know what if they had decided that's the way we're going to kill book i would have accepted that but i like you i didn't necessarily think he was gone so i absolutely not i was like no there's no way they're gonna let that character and that actor yeah though. i hate thinking about it from a production standpoint because uh, yeah, well, i'm like oh that's yeah. a dead giveaway but Everybody Let's, does know, though, yeah. you know. And, but look, I, and I, I will, uh, Chris, you know, your opening comment was about sticking the landing. And for as many criticisms that I've had, hopefully along with all the good stuff that we've talked about about Disco over the last few years, going back to the beginning, I, I just I, – I feel like these last four episodes – have made me so happy about this series overall and about this season in particular. The first couple episodes of this season were really losing me. And, you know, but I'm always glad to be able to come back and talk about it and talk it through these last handful of episodes and the, in the mission log sense, the morals, meaning messages, I thought absolutely nailed it. Um, Chris, would you like to uh, pontificate about any yes. of those morals, meaning I, messages, or moments? I would moments? love to pontificate. Like you, I love the sort of this back back quarter with the whole arrival, decoding the language, and obviously not just the like practicality of that because that's always fun. I like puzzles, but the idea of reaching out and touching someone and all that I found very touching and very wonderful. And I also I was thinking that we had brought this up in earlier, probably in season two or season three. But the idea that we are now 52 episodes in, which is two regular, two 1980 seasons. And so it makes sense to me that we have now figured out how to do what we're doing because we are now heading into, if this was in the 80s or 90s, this would be season three. So, but yes, um, the whole communication with the Tennessee I thought was wonderful. I really hope we get more sort of classic sci-fi, you know, stuff in season five. Definitely. Uh, speaking of classic sci-fi, did either of you have uh, strong feelings or recognition about the look of the 10 C? Because I sure did. Um, I well, first of all, that planet that they go down to looks like actual hell. Like, <laughs> right? yeah. I was like, that's a bit on the nose. Um, <laughs> I, you know what they reminded me of? Now that we could like see them clearly, because the last episode mm-hmm. we saw them in there, you know, they're blurry and they're through, yeah. you know, the the back end of the ship, but um, it reminded me a lot of the, the matrix. Oh, really? Oh, oh interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. To see. So I, I had two thoughts and, and one was either the id monster from forbidden planet or, or the Martians from the 1953 version of War of the Worlds, only oh, with the scaled way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. okay. they're little, they're little tiny guys, you know, but kind of creepy looking. And there's this great scene where one of them reaches up with his hand and and grabs. And it's great, and he runs away screaming. Uh, but yeah, that, that's why I thought they looked like that, but giant and um, imposing in kind of a weird end of black hole, Maximilian on a mountain type of hell uh, that they were in. So yeah, yeah. They, they have a weird sense of gravitas, despite not having or they just sort of float there ominously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, they, they, 
I definitely got like space jellyfish vibes too, with like their tentacles and just the way that they were floating. Space like, jellyfish. <laughs> very good. Very good. And yeah. Far Point. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. I think that's fair. They, um, <laughs> Even if they don't understand, or not to say they didn't understand it, but it, it took them a moment to clue into the idea that, uh, like the Discovery crew, are individuals who don't all think as one. Um, they definitely have a sense of drama, so I'll give that to the Ten C. They just, they've got that down, no matter who visits or what they think of them. Um, Chris, since we have so many callers, any parting shot here before we go? I will say I really hope that in season five, not only do we get more Tignataro, that we give Tig more dramatic stuff because these yes. two last episodes with her and Book in the jail cell have yeah. been phenomenal. And as much as I love when Tig does her stand-up routine, uh, I would love for her to actually get some like meaty stuff next season because she, clearly she can knock it out of the park there as well. Yeah, she agreed. She's wonderful. Yeah. All right, Chris, thank you for the call and uh, we'll see you around maybe. Yeah, hopefully. All right, cool. Let's go right Valeria over. Valeria is yes. very enthusiastically shaking. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. All right. So talk to yeah, us. So first, just want to second that uh, love for Tig Notaro. Absolutely yeah, I mean, my it. notes. Tig is so good. I love her. That's and what's it. not to love? Yeah. <laughs> but what I really want to talk about, <laughs> what I really want to talk about is Tarka. Oh, hmm. I, I okay. thought you wanted to talk about Saru and Tarina. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, you tell me that that is very good and also adjacent to one of the things that I want to say about Tarka. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, what do you want to say um, about Tarka? So, first of all, Oros was Tarka's one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. This has been stated, and this is also the language that Michael used to talk about book. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. because they're trying to do it in a way that this species understands. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not individuals, but although they did say that they're also not like the Borg, that it's like more peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. But, but j- j- just looping back, like, yeah, they used euphemisms for it, but they they did say yes. Tarka and Oros were in love. Yeah. Why wasn't he here to stop me? Oh, yeah. That whole that yeah. whole sequence. Oh, yeah. oh. Um, books quote that love always ends in grief kind of got me because again that continues mm-hmm. the, the the entire conversation that we've had about grief. Yeah. Um, and there was one part where that were in that whole sequence. Um where I actually wrote, would I want to go to an alternate reality to get Grant back? Mm. Mm-hmm. When mm. they were talking about how they're on the other side, but they're, that's not, they're not the people that you know, because that's they don't have the person. same experiences. It's not that yeah. person. So that, that, was, that was a heavy scene. Except, for, except yeah. for Oros, because Oros, as far as Tarka knows, yeah. is as the far same as Tarka person, knows and but, hopes, right. got there. But see, I, yeah, I, I so thought that was... It wouldn't be the same for Tar- for Booker Reno. Yeah. yeah. In addition to the, the whole thing about it kind of going a little deeper with uh, Oros and Tarka's emotional bond, I was really happy to 
see a bit more of of how meaningful this was to Tarka, uh, because mm-hmm. early in the series he he was that just kind of jerk with the, you know the twirling mustache bad guy, but but kind of slick, kind of sly, and and this drove home what I hope we were getting at as we revealed more about his motivation, and it was this kind of like. His obsession and this religious fervor almost for this place that he doesn't know exists, Mm -hmm. but he wants it to exist. And he wants this thing that will solve all of his problems and take away his pain. Mm -hmm. And, And that to me is the tragedy. It's like, here's this guy with every resource of his brilliance, with his position, with the people around him, with the technology around him, but he can't shake this obsession that he has for this thing that that he thinks is more powerful um Mm -hmm. and he's got really nothing to base it on you know except his his hope and his his pain so i i was glad that that was exposed even more as as raw as it was and i was glad to see people like book try to talk him down and just say like no 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 that you, you don't know this don't throw these things away because you don't know this that isn't reality um so i i kind of wish we'd gotten more of that earlier but then that's that's where we are with a show that has to stretch to 13 episodes for sure (laughs) you know um but also um it's the way that we start with book telling with tarka telling book give me your pain Mm. Mm-hmm. Give me your pain. Yeah. As he's trying to figure out how to get to uh, Shakari, I mean, Kyle Yes. Yeah. But Book's um, like, I need my pain. So, yeah. No, but Book <laughs> no. goes, goes along with him. Book goes he, along he with does him. First. Later on, Artem he says, I need my pain. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, and then he says, no, I'm going to handle this and give you the escape hatch. Also like Cybok. Mm. Yeah. But in that moment, he goes from Cybok and flips to Decker and takes the out of this reality and into another reality escape hatch. I mean, hopefully. Yeah, yeah <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. Which... That, okay. that that's the thing about a, a reality escape hatches is that there's a lot of hopefully built around that. Yeah. Well, and now everybody can have their own headcanon. I mean, okay, <laughs> but also, but also, is it barrier gays? If one, you don't know if one, they're never explicitly stated to be gay. It's only only with euphemisms. And mm-hmm. two, is he dead or is, or did he make it to Kyle's? <laughs> I don't know. I, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I feel like he didn't make it. And and I feel like the important thing is when we look at Tarka's story, it is simply the the power of his desire to believe this. That, mm-hmm. that that is what drives him. So I'm I'm I, I think all the other details are are interesting and they are mm-hmm. important in other ways. When when I look at it though, I just go, wow, here, here's a guy who, given all the best information and his brilliance, is still still going to be forced down a path because, like many of us, they are compelled to believe what they want to believe not what is necessarily true or or attainable. 
you know, mm-hmm. and there's a, a real uh, relatable tragedy to that for, you know, I think a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, Valeria, because we have so many other calls, I want to know any other uh, observations, thoughts, uh, put a button on disco. Um, you know, I think that's all I can say without getting into just a whole other rant. So <laughs> I think the, I'll leave it at that. The, 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 the rants are good. You, you can share the rants. And you know what? When, when we come back and do a, a recap on disco again, maybe then, then time for another rant. I appreciate them. <laughs> for sure. All right. <laughs> Cheers. Take care. Uh, we do have Alan next, but because like I teased earlier, we have some uh, comments that were shared with us that I absolutely want to make sure I get into the show. I'd like to drop one of those first here. And that is from Scott Palm. Scott, who is our friend, and he's hanging out in the chat right now. And uh, many of you may know Scott from STLV, or you may know him from the uh, the promo, uh, the, the fundraiser that we helped do along with the Roddenberry Foundation through uh, Chase Masterson's Pop Hero Coalition. And uh, Scott is a fascinating person. Get to know him. Say hi to him there in the chat. And he wrote this great note that he wanted me to share. And he said, I can relate to the 10C. Do you know the pictures on my device? And let me just explain very quickly that uh, Scott speaks through uh, a computer assistance uh, that's part of his chair. Um, Do you know that I speak through pictures on my device? They're called icons, and each word and phrase is made up of one to three icon sequences. Each icon means multiple things depending on the second icon in the sequence. And this is the most amazing part. And I actually think in icons in my head. So when we're talking, my brain starts forming icons, and then I use what they call muscle memory to bring out the icon sequences in my head, uh, out, and in my device. It turns them into words. So the 16 chemicals the 10C uses is like my icons, and the lights is like what my brain goes through, and the device Saru is using looks like it uses the same principle that my device does. I thought that was one of the coolest things I've read all week. Yeah. Yeah. How awesome is that? That's so. So do you remember when you and I had that conversation about if you have an internal dialogue or if you think in mm-hmm. like at more abstract and that right. th- it was recently discovered that like some people have an internal dialogue, some people think abstract and th- they didn't know that each other existed until there was like a Twitter conversation about it. Right. That's a different that's even a different way of thinking. Isn't that too. incredible? Yeah. Yeah. And and how cool to just like the only thing that I can possibly think about that being uh, of a similar experience is when I was a student and I got to spend a, a nice chunk of time in France, right? And part of the rule was you had to speak French. My French right. is not great. <laughs> okay. Right. I struggled through it. But at a certain point, it just naturally started to think in French and translate back to English and started to dream in French and all these other weird things because the language just sort of morphs itself. You, your brain rather morphs itself to the language and context around you. And that is very cool. And I was just so impressed to learn Scott's experience and how he very obviously sees that parallel with the 10 C all about communication, man. Yeah. How cool is that? That's super interesting. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us, Scott. And let us welcome our next caller, who I think was just as impressed with that bit of knowledge 
And that is Alan. Alan, the meme king, how are you doing? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> John Holly, great to be here. Great to have you. Yeah, I, what's I, on your mind? I First of all, I thought I was going to have a, a tough time following Valeria, but man, that, that, that did that blew my mind. <laughs> It's look. It's always a tough time following Valeria because their insights are just incredible. Yeah. And uh, but you know, I, I figured that would be a good time to break it up. So. No, no, that's that's fine. That's cool. Um, and honestly, um, as someone who is not, I, I wouldn't say that I'm honestly very good with languages. I you know, I know a little bit of German, very little Italian. Some English sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but you, you also speak fluent factor <laughs> fiction. This is true. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, Good but job. I love, but I, I do enjoy language and the use of language and how it works. I just uh, for a D and D game, I just finished writing a note <laughs> for my players in uh, Orcish, translated to Dwarvish script that they will wow. hopefully have to decipher at some point. We'll see how that goes, but <laughs> but yeah, you know the way the the way that we communicate and how we communicate is great. It's definitely been a highlight, especially these last few episodes. It's just been you know, I think that's part of what I love about this this uh, this season and and this storyline overall. It's just fascinating. Yeah, and I was um, wondering when Vulcan tel- telepathy was going to come in. Like, yeah, I was I was waiting for. I was like, she's at some point she's going to be like, let me just mind meld. <laughs> hey, but you know what I appreciated about that though, and I remember yeah. that this was uh, a big point of contention in the first season. I want to say is that you know Sarek does his uh, interplanetary mind meld uh, just right. because, and yeah. <laughs> I you know, and I remember Rod asking me at the time, it's like, is there any example ever in Star Trek of someone being able to mind meld across? distance and i'm like no because even in tos uh uh you've got spock touching a wall that the other person is touching and i thought well this having tarina do that by actually touching the window where the 10c are around that makes sense that was very cool well it's a little vigery a little vigery yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. You know, Vidra had that whole cloud business going on. Vidra was mm. everywhere. Vidra was like Elvis, just Vidra's everywhere. In the cloud. Yeah, yeah, can't escape it. <laughs> can't escape it. Mm. Yeah, and uh, you know, there is a part of me that was like, you know, good on on Indoye for not being like, you could have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, I was thinking, I was like, I know this is going to come up. I sort of appreciated that, that yeah. it was treated as a last resort, likely because. Yeah. She mm-hmm. knew that it was going to take it out of her, and it did. I mean, her nose started to bleed, and she ended up in sickbay. Oh, so yeah. I'm glad that it was used as a last resort, because if they had used that at the beginning, like, so much of the storyline wouldn't even wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Tarina, too, I joked about it a couple weeks ago about finger on finger, but we got full palm, baby. <laughs> wow. Full palm. Yeah. Full palm. That's... It went there. <laughs> Big moment in Star Trek. Yeah. Yes. Should have gotten a TVMA, I think. <laughs> yes, <that>. of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I will say the the big reason that I wanted to, to come on, uh, I know, John, you talked about it on the Discord, as, as probably the biggest um, president uh, – uh, Kovich. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dr. David Cronenberg. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. President Cronenberg enthusiasts on yeah. on on the show. Um, I feel like uh, Discovery one up this, John. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, okay. So hang on. Uh, they, they did. They did. Uh, by oh, the yeah. way, I just, I, it, I'm going to come back to that in just a second. I have an email here from Leo. This is the second message I wanted oh, to be sure. able to share with everybody. And, uh, he, he can't join the show tonight. He said, Dr. David Cronenberg, aka Kovich, thank you for the clarification there in case people in our audience don't know, yeah. uh, just vanished after the galactic barrier. He and Bryce were dealing with, quote, more oh, urgent bitch. matters than the DMA slash species 10 first contact. I would have liked to have seen or heard something, anything from Cronenberg or Bryce in coming home. My theory is that these urgent matters are the setup for season four. What do you think? Did you catch anything from season three that might be the seeds for season four? Peace and long life, my friend, Leo. So, I had the same thought, although okay. I, do, I yep. don't think I really picked up on any seeds about what it could be. I think they yeah. were vague enough about it. And that comment was almost passive. Yeah. Yeah, I. But I mean, come on, more urgent than everybody <laughs> you know? dying. Yeah, right, right, right. The, yeah, the destruction of a member world and a very, you know, the feder. You know, at that point, the Federation's other favorite non non member world, which it's always been a little bit weird to me that the the Federation seems to be ninety percent human, yeah. but yet Earth is not a member. But I guess they solved that. Yeah, well, hey, look, there's a lot of humans who had moved on in those 900 years. True, there, yeah. You had people living in, uh, you know, mining colonies and were working as miners. And Starfleet and, operates and independently of the yeah. Federation as well. Yeah, Starfleet yeah. is Starfleet at this point is just, uh, I hate to, I hate to even joke about this, but it's the the remnants of the Maquis. They're they're the ones that are left in the DMZ uh, for real. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Dang it, Chakotay. Uh, the worst (laughs) i can't wait to hear more about this um but yes so so we do not have a president david cronenberg look he could still he could still have some much higher position somewhere somehow he's not the president of the united earth and i asked earlier when they mentioned president of the earth i was like who is the you can't just mention the president and then not like have them appear somewhere at some but they point did. But they, they did, did. Oh, yes, they, they did, did the big reveal how, how do we all feel i'm i was sobbing <laughs> wow okay okay well i was mostly excited from the standpoint that i know how much of a fan she is yeah and if you've ever listened to her talk about star trek on in interview podcast whatever it is because I've, I've heard some some expert uh, excerpts of her talking mm. um She's she's not a casual fan. Oh no no, she is deeply a Star she's, Trek fan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's ensconced. Yeah. So I I was I was mostly <laughs> emotional for her sake cuz I know how excited she probably was to be there and to be invited to do that. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, any of us really. Aside well, from the fact that obviously like she represents many ideals of <sighs> this future that we're sort of striving for. <laughs> well, yeah. and look for uh, from a production standpoint, I was just very impressed that they were able to carry that off spoiler free. So that, that was cool. Um, I, I will say this though. I mean, I, it, to me, it is a little bit of a double-edged sword. Like I think she is a, obviously she's a Star Trek fan. She's a great choice for many reasons. I feel like uh, my ideals and at least the things that I see in Star Trek are very much aligned with uh, what I think 
she represents and, and has been working toward, there is the part of me that says, is it a good idea to have a contemporary political figure in Star Trek? And granted, she's not playing herself. There is no campaigning going on. There's, you know, nothing like that. But like, Trek is a difficult thing. Uh, Trek is a franchise that is full of uh, progressive social values and political commentary. And at the same time, it has shied away from highlighting a specific person or, or, you know, specific causes necessarily. So... I, I I kind of that there is that part of me that has a mixed feeling, even though I can be fully on board with symbolically what that means. Right. Yeah. And I I, I can definitely see that. Um, I feel like I'm kind of I, I'm I, I love it for the fact that, yes, it does send a message. They they very clearly were sending a message that this is the type of person that's going to bring the earth even the earth that we saw a season ago because i've seen people like well that earth was militarized and blah 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 well that's the earth that's that was season three of discovery and that was produced under very different political circumstances anyway Mm. but that's the person that'll that could bring earth back to the federation and for all the values that you know we tend to hope and think that she represents it's and it is what it is um my i would say that if i have any misgiving it's this that this has been sort of the topic that has come up come out of the finale Mm -hmm. i've seen more and more positive reaction to the stacy abrams cameo than to literally i think anything else that i've seen this season on discovery and my only hope is that this isn't a situation where people look at that stuff on Twitter or YouTube or, or Yahoo news article stuff and think, oh, okay, well, I've seen that. That's the big takeaway. I know what happened. Everything's cool. Yeah. And they don't. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. We have a frozen Alan. I, I am we going to the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to share very quickly a couple of comments that are coming in that I thought were uh, very appropriate. Uh, first of all, well, Carlos mentions that uh, Stacey Abrams was on Tawny and Paul's podcast, Pod Directive. And then yep. Lisa, I love this. She makes the perfect parallel. It's like the parallel to Whoopi Goldberg wanting to be on yeah. Star Trek back in the day. So then she gets to be on Star Trek. Um and then Chris Riker, I repeat, Stacey Abrams is good, but she's no Melvin Belli. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, of course, referring to the uh, Laurie in a Shower Curtain. Um, so, all right, Alan, sadly, we lost him, but always appreciate your comments. Uh, but good timing, though, that we can jump right over to our next caller, Matthew, to chime in here about the finale of season four of Disco. Matthew, what's up? Hey, you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can. All Coming right. in loud and clear. How's it going? Uh, going well. First off, I'm wearing my Greendale Community College t-shirt as a nice. uh, tribute to Mike and Jessica from Mission Log, the Orville, if they're out there. <laughs> nice. Yes, yes. And I want to say a quick hello. That's Munch. He is our rescue dog. Oh. 
Ann Wheaton can be proud of us. He's uh, he's been oh. ours for a little over a year and a half now. Adorable. Um, but on Discovery, I, I wanted to discuss the Stacey Abrams cameo, and I thought mm-hmm. it, I'm you know sitting here watching it, and I'm like, that looks like Stacey Abrams. <laughs> right. Oh my god, that's Stacey Abrams! <laughs> like, yeah. how how did this happen and everything? And then you know there was some online backlash, and some of the people complaining how you know they never show both sides. I'm like, well, I I counter with we have the Packlids. Yeah, <laughs> they show the other side, and you know if that's not reference enough for you, there's been what five episodes of Star Trek throughout the years that have had full fledged Nazis. So you know everyone gets represented. <laughs> well, look, I <laughs> point point taken. Very funny. Yes, <laughs> I mean I I, I will say I, this. I, I, I mean just... yeah yeah because I, I I don't want to get into a thing where you're just. <laughs> automatically lumping everybody together who is uh, politically not yes, on the same no. page as a Nazi. Uh, however, right. however, you know, I, I will say this, you know, uh, as long as I've been doing Mission Log and as long as uh, fans have been commenting, discussing Star Trek, it has always occurred to me that Star Trek has a, as I just said, a progressive social agenda, there are important progressive political topics that it takes on. And what I want Star Trek to do is to do what it typically does very well, and that is to ask people through the metaphor of science fiction to examine the ideas that they already have and switch up the context to see if those ideas need to stay as rigid as they are. And, you know, it is the classic bonk bonk on the head example that when we did Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, we heard from somebody who was a young girl living in Mississippi at the time of that show surrounded by people who were not necessarily going to be recipients of this message that guess what? Racism's really stupid. Here, here is the science fiction context of that. But this is what made this, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old girl realize, oh, wait a minute, there's a different way of looking at the world. This show through metaphor, through storytelling has shown me that I never want Star Trek to lose that edge. I never and again, for 1968, this was a progressive social idea i never want star trek to lose that i also don't want star trek to solely be preaching to the choir and if this is the kind of thing that comes across as solely preaching to the choir well okay maybe you lose one here but hopefully you 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 know are are able to open up that dialogue with the next one so that's that's all i have to say about that very (laughs) true I think <laughs> until we do it again. <laughs> uh, any other, cause we, we got one more caller we need to get to before the break. Any other thoughts about uh, tonight's episode? No, I was, um, I was very pleased with the, the season finale and um, yeah, good job. Looking forward to next season and definitely looking forward to the rest of Picard and strange new worlds and all the tracks. It's so, so, so many tracks and we will cover them all many, many tracks. sometimes all right. simultaneously Thanks, all right take care matthew i have, have to say one. that i was also very pleased with the uss mitchell and the uss yelchin yes yeah. yes that was hey and while we're talking about ships anyway i mean uh we, we got a lot of good looks at different ships of different types of different configurations they're so sleek in the future they're so sleek and i so dug the use of starfleet headquarters uh yeah it's like a spiral 
The thing's crazy. But it, but it, but it comes apart and it's just like, that was awesome. You know, yeah. I, we've gotten so used to the paradigm of, well, the ship looks like this and is oriented like this and it flies like this and it's got tuna cells. Why not just totally break down all those conceptual ideas and say, no, 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 we're going to do this other thing. And sometimes it flies like that. The floors are like this. And I, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Now it was I very want, pretty. It was very well shot. Yeah. And now I want an Eagle Moss model of that. Oh, I'm sure he's, I'm sure Ben's on that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Yeah. That would be a challenge. Um, hey, a couple of minutes before our break. So Cherie, welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Going all right. Good, good. Yeah. Well, tell us what is on your mind about Disco coming home. I I really like the finale. Um, I I understand uh, the people who are like, well, I feel like there should have been more stakes, like nobody died. I do feel like narratively they were definitely working up to that. Like, just from a narrative standpoint, it would have made sense for book to die but i also personally just really like happy endings so i like sure. it when people don't die so well, I, I was i was 100 percent on board i'm so mean that i just want people to die <laughs> no 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 i completely understand i do think it might have been interesting like if they left something a little bit more hanging like i don't necessarily maybe not someone dying, but something more with the 10 C it did seem a little bit like, Oh, they're like, Oh my gosh, we didn't know our bad. And that, that was kind of like it. Like, <laughs> like, well, I know, that was easy. It was, that's all as, as soon as we were able to communicate to them. I right. also kind of feel like, I mean, I get that narratively just with the way the series was like the season was written and they probably wouldn't have wanted to get rid of folks character earlier, but if he'd been like gone for longer, like, if in the very least, if he like maybe died or died in the like episode before, like I feel like it would have been more of a like a reveal. They could have they could have left it on a cliffhanger mm-hmm. and brought him mm-hmm. back next season somehow. Maybe. Because then we would have been like, oh, he didn't. Did did he yeah, really die? Something like that too. Yeah. There was I, I I missed it earlier, but there was a comment that kind of flew by because there's some great comments in here, by the way. Thank you, everybody who is writing in uh, that, that said uh, Discovery is kind of like an 80s sitcom where everybody is OK again at the end. Let, let me just uh, say that. That's all of Star Trek. I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know what Star Trek you've been watching Mostly. other than but but that yeah, I mean like even Spock dying, which I felt like Okay, was, but he came back in the next movie. We but he see came it, back in the next we movie. We don't know that. He dies at the end of that movie and everybody was like, Is he is he is he really did they really kill him off? Right, right. Well that's why I felt like it was a very earned uh, moment, you know, just because we built up that relationship over time. But then you, you know, you brought him back, and and now pretty much all track. It's like, yeah, we're going to bring people back because it's yeah. uh, that's what we can do. I was also really glad that they didn't. I thought they were going to kill Detmer, and I was like, don't you do this again? Oh yeah, I, Ooh, yeah, Arium Detmer, like the same thing with Arium, just like. They're like, well, look, she has a personality in a backstory, and then we killed her. The yeah, end. <laughs> although, okay, so uh, but I, I think we were all impressed, at least I was. I liked that General Lindoya owned up to what she did and also volunteered herself. Chris here in the chat says, general bad choice <laughs> yeah. should, should have blowed up real good. And you know what? I, I think that would have been an acceptable thing, that that's yeah, somebody that, that, that doesn't come of, back. Honestly, like, I mean, while I, I like happy endings, so I'm totally happy with people not dying like 
I don't think that would have bothered me narratively also if she honestly missed book had died. Uh, um, you know what bothered me narratively about her, though, is that the end when the president is there, who well, we don't know the president's name. They don't say the name. No. Um, Madam President. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Madam, Madam President. Madam President. That's her name. She <laughs> looks over at Ndoye and is like, I will consider it a personal favor to me if you like don't put yourself in that position again. And I was mm. like, are we just going to ignore that she... Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there has to be some recognition here of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I well, agree. Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of really glossed over that one. I mean, it was uh, big of her to put her to to admit it and then to put mm-hmm. herself up instead of Detmer. But mm-hmm. I, I also feel like, yeah, there was, I mean, I she needs to be punished a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Cherie, final thought, because we've got to move on to our break sure, and then talk about sure. Picard. I, I did want to just throw in there, like, uh, I, I'm i glad that they, they had the Mitchell. Honestly, though, when I first heard the name, I immediately thought, Gary Mitchell? Did they do oh. this after Gary <laughs> Mitchell? And then I, I, I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, okay Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, you <laughs> don't necessarily <laughs> name a ship after, you know, a psychopath who had God powers. And yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Like, that, was, that was my immediate, I was like, what? <laughs> well, like it's been several hundred years. They they might have forgotten. They were like, yeah, that that guy. He's got cool eyes. Guy. Let's name a ship after him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad they named it a ship after. after yeah. After. Of <laughs> All right. Well, and thank you Anna. so much, and uh, we will see you again. Okay. Yep, I'll be back for Picard. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Got a lot of calls lined up for Picard. So without further ado, let's just uh, let's take a quick moment here for any of you who have not yet joined us uh, in this campaign. If you would like to win a copy of the Star Trek Picard audio drama No Man's Land, here's all you have to do. Make a Twitter post. Tweet us with the hashtag Mission Log Live. And then the book title, which I just said, it's No Man's Land. And then every week for six weeks, this is our second week doing this, we will announce a winner that is courtesy of Simon & Schuster Audio. They will send you your own download for No Man's Land. So uh, we do have a winner for tonight picked randomly from this week's Twitter entries. So before we announce who that is, Holly is going to tell you more about the book. I am going to tell you more, but I also wanted to interject here and say, make sure that you guys are entering every week. We had somebody ask on Twitter, like if it resets every week and it does, yes, so you, it it, does. you have to re-enter after we announce tonight's winner. Okay. Yep, yep. So no man's land takes place between seasons one and seasons two of Picard, uh, seven and nine, uh, seven of nine and Rafi are enjoying some much needed R and R they're interrupted by an urgent cry for help. They team up to rescue a mysterious ageless professor who is endangered by a vicious Romulan warlord. And our lead characters tentatively explore the attraction hinted at in the finale of Picard season one. So uh, it's an original, fully dramatized Star Trek adventure written and produced exclusively for audio, which is cool yeah. uh, it's complete with authentic sound effects for a fully immersive and seamless experience it is the work of kirsten Beyer, who is co-creator writer and producer for picard and i love her and mm-hmm. mike johnson a veteran contributor to star trek comic books publishing idw he did a lot of that he's great too uh jerry ryan um is seven of nine michelle heard voices rafi um and they're joined in this full cast audio drama 
audio dramatization by a host of talented actors playing all new characters, in, including <laughs> Fred Tassashore, who we love from Lower Decks. Yes. So that's cool, too. Uh, Many of us know that he's the voice of Lieutenant Shax on Lower Decks. So Star Trek storylines have long challenged assumptions and contributed to real world cultural progress and the same sex attraction as the basis of No Man Lands continues this tradition. Uh, it is published with the full support and participation of Star Trek, CBS and Paramount and the creative and promotional teams. Yeah. And, you know, that's the cool thing to think of. It's not an audio book in the traditional sense. It's more like a radio drama with the the voices of the actors in real time and then the sound effects. And it is it's just very cool. So uh, and by the way, we just had a question in the chat. Do you have to hashtag every week? Well, that's that's how that's we know how we you entered. You. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's how we're able to uh, sort those entries. And then uh, through the magic of Siri, picking a random number, that's how we determine who the winner is is very cool if you didn't know that you can say hey siri uh which by the way just triggered a million people's devices pick a random number between and then the parameters of how many people entered and that's it so tonight's winner is well we just saw him on screen Matthew Corey, yeah. Roller Dog NC on Twitter, and uh, hopefully everybody remembers that Matthew Corey is a Trek contributor himself. So mm-hmm. check out his uh, Twitter. By the way, that that was not planned. <laughs> that was that. Uh, that is the luck of the random number. Thank you, Siri. So Matthew, enjoy the book, and remember, follow us on Twitter, Mission Log Pod. Use that hashtag Mission Log Live and the book title No Man's Land, and then listen here to find out each week who won. All right, we've arrived at that point. Now we get to jump over to Picard. Uh, much shorter recap this week <laughs> for, yeah. uh, for Picard. So I will just knock through it. We already have one of our callers standing by. Here we go. Time for season two, episode three, Assimilation. The standoff on La Sirena isn't a standoff much longer when Seven and Rafi get the upper hand. Those Confederation guys, including Annika's husband, blowed up real good. With Elnor dying and the Borg Queen assimilating the ship to make temporal calculations, the crew soon find themselves above 21st century Earth, followed by crash landing in Old Man Peabody's farm. The damage to La Sirena is so great that the Borg Queen sucks up what power she can to keep herself alive, and Elnor, with no power for medical, dies in the process. Seven, Rafi, and Rios will hit the ground, transport into Los Angeles, Transporters are touch and go, by the way, and scan for any signs of the Watcher, who or whatever that may be. Picard and Gerardi stay behind to work on the Borg Queen because here's the problem. Even though she's alive because Elnor is dead, the Queen is in a somewhat comatose state, unable to communicate. Picard sizes it up since, well, he was a Borg at one time, and Gerardi volunteers to connect to the Borg Queen, kind of a quasi-assimilation, so she can essentially reboot her. They need what she knows in order to fix the timeline, after all. It's a dangerous procedure, luring Gerardi into a state that that close to assimilation, but Picard monitors her subconscious to make sure he can break the link if she gets too close to being swallowed up by the Borg, so he does once Gerardi's voice starts to be replaced with that of the Queen. The Queen awakens and immediately starts taunting Picard, the information he wants in exchange for the ship, 
but Gerardi holds her at bay. She already knows the coordinates for the Watcher, surreptitiously lifted from the Queen while she was wandering around through her conscious mind. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, the three materialize in different places. Raffi on a city street where she is met with an armed robbery attempt that she quickly disarms and takes his wallet. Seven is in a park but makes her way to find Raffi so the two can get inside the tallest building and scan for anomalous signals. Rios has a harder time materializing just on the wrong side of a fire escape and falling to the sidewalk below. Fortunately, he's taken to a clinic where his wounds can be treated by the good-hearted doctor, Teresa. He also encounters her precocious son, who has taken an interest in Rios' comm badge. The more he presses it, the signal alerts Rafi's tricorder as if it's sending Morse code. When Teresa sees what's going on, she sends her kid away and puts the badge on the front desk. Soon after, immigration officers show up to raid the clinic on suspicion of there being people there like Rios with no papers and no IDs. Rios tries to stall for time, and he does manage to get some patients out of the building. The officers get more suspicious, though, arresting him along with Teresa, just as Picard's voice can be heard calling for Rios on the comm badge that sits on the reception desk. The end. See? Quick. Quick and easy. That's how we do it. All right. Uh, Holly, hot take before we get to our first call. I can't do a hot take. Did you see how many notes I have? <laughs> I have so many. many. I have so. Listen. Yeah. I am ecstatic that there are connections to past tense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. excited. And I, I think those will get explored more. I, yes. I, I look forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, I, I will give you one hot take because I don't know if it'll come up in our conversations, but we'll certainly see where they go. For as much as these first three episodes have, have just crammed like plot on top of plot on top of plot, um, I'm going to say that the MVP who gets some of the best subtle moments out of all of this is Seven of Nine. I think when they just allow jerry to be in the moment and it's something as simple as smiling when the kid says hey are you a superhero yeah and then raffi recognizing like hey something is different about you since we've been here in the 24th century maybe related to the fact that well there's no more borg implant so now kind of recognition with that i think there's a lot going on there that is just being hinted at and teased here. Right. Which it's is Rafi said that she seems more comfortable. Yeah. Rafi, uh, you in 2020 should 2024 should get a room because. Yeah. Right. Like strangers don't usually like me. Well, strangers don't usually like you because they knew that you were a Bork. Right. 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 But I think this is some of the most interesting stuff because it, it, it plays in direct contrast to all the bombastic, you know, spaceships and shooting and Nazi planet and everything that we've gotten up to now. But there's this other character thing happening underneath that. And I'm very curious to see where that goes. All right. Enough of our yapping. We have Jason, who's been waiting patiently and hanging out in the Earl Green Room. And now he is here with us. Welcome to the show, Jason. How's it going? On the holodeck. Back on the holodeck again. Hello, everyone. Uh, Hey. Glad I actually call in. It's spring break, though. It's snowing here in Japan. So... We'll wow. Break. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Where, are, where in Japan are you? Are you up north? In Nagano. Nah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, right in the middle of it. So. Yeah. Right on. 
Well, what is on your mind about Picard? Too much. Way too much. <laughs> I, I didn't, God, I, didn't, I, have, I was going to call in because I thought something had gotten missed last week about Q. Mm. And then this week's episode happened. And screw it. I'm going to start off with the big question. Is Rafi right? Is Rafi right about what? Uh, I about Picard and Q. Mm, that well, you know, uh, okay. Rafi was Rafi was definitely emotional. Yeah, um, Picard was strangely unemotional. Yeah, about the whole thing. But I mean, I I I thought like, oh no, that's not fair. But then I thought about going. Yeah, I mean, Q showed up on DS Nine. Cisco belted him. Q never came back. <laughs> yeah, Q went to Voyager and harassed the hell out of Janeway. But Q's shenanigans on Jane on Voyager only affected Voyager. Mm. When Q's on the Enterprise, we keep changing history again and again and again. I mean, well, okay, so maybe Q sees Picard as either the worthy foil or sees Picard as the worthy human. To uh, even though someone just pointed out Picard's a robot, well, he's uh, you know, uh, you know, he started uh, human. He, started he did, he did. Or, or sees Picard as the worthy human to to sort of be the best example of uh, of the humans. He's the guy who uh, can be put to the test, and and you know, Picard really hasn't had any way out of it. How many times over the years have we seen Picard say, "I'm not playing your game, Q," but then he has to, because if you don't, well, all of life and all of the the universe ends, you know. But I also wonder, there are people speculating online, what's wrong with Q? Is yeah. there something going on with Q that is compelling him to be in this situation, too? You know, because what, the bridge. Mm-hmm. Well, the bridge, so I'm, I'm, I, I want to come back, because that was what I thought was missed last week, was Q's line about... You've changed in everything, in every way, but the most important. Uh, and I think that ties into all good things. Oh. I mean, it might, but I also yeah. think that him saying that it was a penance is uh, telling because a penance is self-imposed. Is it, though? Because in, like, the Catholic Church, the penance can be given from the priest to you for to... Give penance for your sins. Oh, well, I'm not Catholic, mm. so yeah. I'm not either. But <laughs> <laughs> I watch too many too many uh, shows. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it might. To go back to your original statement, there, um, it seemed like too brief a scene mm-hmm. when. Raffi, who I, I I think her outrage and her anger is certainly understandable mm-hmm. and well-placed. Did Picard brush it off a little too quickly? Well, yeah, I mean, Picard has been this character who gets to easily deflect emotional confrontation because he's the captain, he's the leader, he's the, the guy in charge. He he has the privilege of doing that. Was this certainly too little too late? Yes. But I also feel like Picard has his back up against the wall. And this I just feel like he has tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, is it kind of like, um, do you guys know about the psychopath test? 
that book where it, it yeah I, go with me here uh so uh, uh someone who's doing a, a, a study was uh studying psychopaths he was seeing what what makes people sociopaths seeing what makes people have those traits and what he realized is the more that he studied the more he realized oh wait i fall into this category too but who am i i'm a research scientist i'm a doctor i'm i'm all these other things and there's certain professions that required a kind of emotional detachment from the work that traits that show up more frequently in sociopaths actually were a benefit to people who were in those roles so for example, if you were a doctor, but every time you had a patient who didn't make it, you had a deep emotional bond that you couldn't shake off, that would be a problem. That would prevent you potentially from being a good doctor over and over and over again with all the patients that you need to see. So I kind of see Picard as being somebody and many a Starfleet captain. This is somebody who is in a difficult strenuous position of command with lives of people uh, uh, dependent upon their decisions, sometimes you have to make the tough call. But if every time you made that tough call, you were emotionally racked to the point that you couldn't then make the next call, you wouldn't be an effective leader. Picard might have a little too much of that where he has survived and succeeded enough that he's confronted with these situations and he can just easily blow them off. So maybe what he needs is a little better bedside manner with somebody like Rafi. Mm -hmm. But again, what we don't know is what's driving Q. I'll be disappointed if this season just goes to the extent as, well, it's what Q does. He just messes with people and creates these difficult they, situations. They have to give him better motivation. He's got to have more. Q being Q, right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, perhaps the motivation we get from the season will maybe give us the motivation for their entire interaction over the course of, good God, how many years has it been? 30 plus? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, not to change gears too much here, but uh, Dave points out in the chat, very important question. Here's the thing. This episode was directed by Leah Thompson. What mm -hmm. if Q starts disappearing like <laughs> Marty McFly did on stage? So you could have a scene where Q is, you know, playing guitar in a band and then just suddenly his hand is transparent and he starts so disappearing from the Polaroid. What you're saying is Picard has gone back in time to get Q's parents back together. Oh, you solved it. You solved it. You figured it out. Good job. We don't, we, we just, we can end the show tonight. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, any other thoughts before we jump over to our next call? Uh, one last one. I got to admit, I really, really love the homage of going back over the slingshot, but I miss the cloudy heads. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. You yes. know where those are. The where? real ones are in someone's someone's garden. Whose garden is it? It's they're in a it, they're in somebody who worked on Star Trek's garden. That's hilarious. Okay, yeah. team, track but those I'm, down. We have to field trip. We have to know. I miss the heads. When uh, no when that movie heads. came out, when Star Trek Four came out, I had a, a set 
of uh, pencil eraser heads that were the heads of, of all the crew. So, you know, Kirk's so I would just set them up to look like it was that scene, but they were just little tiny, like brightly colored rubber ones. You know, I, I mean, we I'm, got I'm like weird. We got like instead of weird heads, we got like slow mo and like Gerardi had a tear going backwards. I thought that was. Yeah. I like the explosion behind seven. Yeah. The tear like it was cool stuff. You know, but it was a nice homage. It was indeed. Yeah. All right, Jason, take care. Good to see you. And we will uh, hear back from you again, I hope. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you. All right. Up next, it's Cosmo from the bridge of the Enterprise D, of course. (laughs) Thematically, we have so many callers. (laughs) I'm glad you're keeping track. Oh, yeah. Take note of who's in the uh, seat next to Picard. Is that Livingston? That is Livingston. <laughs> and by the way, for um, people who can't see it, not David Livingston. That is Livingston Livingston. Yes. Picard's lionfish. Yeah. He's not going to be there for long. So. <laughs> it, well, no, in my head canon, Reg Barkley uh, gave him a little retrofitted com badge that lets him get out of his tank. So, Oh, nice. Did nice. he yeah. die? Did he die when the Enterprise uh, D? In generations. He never. No, no. He... Uh, they built a fish tank on the Enterprise E. We just oh yeah split. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But I I do think in my head canon again he was left behind. Picard gets the book, and they find Spot, but nobody thinks about Livingston until Reg Barkley goes back and finds him a week later during a salvage thing. So um, yeah, I, I'm mad at wow. Picard in my head canon. Yeah, oh. you should be. You should be Picard. I mean uh, Livingston's going to need some help after that time. But yes, <laughs> all right. Uh, so Cosmo, what is on your mind tonight about Picard? So uh, preface my statements with I, I strongly dislike season one, and I am having fun so far with season two so uh uh, that being said uh i really disliked that they have killed uh elnor is that his name elnor okay i I just keep thinking legolas um (laughs) for me it had no stakes because the time travel stuff i'm sure he'll be back that's the same i feel that way too and that's why i felt that way about book in discovery too this is two episodes that got released in the same day where there were no stakes for the deaths yeah when book died i was just kind of numb because i knew he was going to come back and so with elnor he's coming back so there was no shock value for me and i mean there are a lot of parallels between this and star trek for the voyage home yeah. For me, one of the best parts of the voyage home is Spock in 20th century Earth. And Eleanor is the closest thing we have to it. He is the, yes, we have seven, uh, mm. but he is the alien and it being put on Earth with his absolute candor. That uh, just seems like <laughs> something that's a shame to deprive us as the audience just for the shock of a death to show us how big the stakes are. Well, I mean, I think. <sighs> They are giving one of the characters motivation. And I will say that even though I felt like it was a hollow death, because ultimately, like she even says, like, will it bring him back? And Girardi's like, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, um, Michelle Hurd's performance was fantastic. She's sure. I think she's doing a fantastic job in in that position, showing what her motivation is. So while I while I think that yeah the death is like I'm like eh he'll be back like I do think that it f- from a story story writing point of view that it's necessary for her character. 
See, here's the question, which is how long, because we're only in episode three, how long do we spend this season in 21st century Earth? Because if that's the whole thing and the whole time we don't have Elnor, then it does, it just seems like, okay, then the end of the season, we fixed it. And now we've got our Romulan ninja elf back. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, uh, but... If there's something more to it where where it feels like an earned payoff, I'll be happier with it. And maybe if it's not all taking place there, uh, I, I do like what's happening with splitting up the team. Like I said before, I like what's happening with Seven. I, I, of course, Michelle Hurd just kills it every time she's on screen. No question there. So I, I'm happy following these three, but it's like, Okay, when they're done with their job, if that comes sooner rather than later, can we get quality time with everybody else? Does all the other stuff make sense? My my issues so far, and I've liked these three episodes more on their own. I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that um, I had a harder time with these when I watched them all back to back because it was too much. And it felt like the producer saying, oh, uh, here, we know what makes Star Trek tick. You need time travel, and you need the Borg, and you need a mirror universe, and blah, blah, and we're just going to throw it all together. Oh, and you need Q, and boom. Now we just made Star Trek. Look, everybody, at Star Trek. And that annoyed the hell out of me. But but taking these episodes on their own, they're a little easier to swallow for me, and just being able to spend that time in the time that these characters are experiencing the 21st century, like, okay, I'm okay to just live with that for a little while, see what happens here. And then give me an earned character moment. Give me an earned something that leads back to Elnor or ultimately how we're going to dispatch with the Borg queen. That that's the other big question here. So, you know, yeah. And I've enjoyed her. Uh, And another thing I've struggled with previously on Picard up to this point is Alison pill. Mm -hmm. Every time the character talks, it it just seems to me like the same writer that's writing for Tilly writes for Gerardi, but I I enjoyed her performance in this most recent episode. The most I've enjoyed her so far. The the Borg, the Borg queen sequence was really impressive. Well, let me ask you guys something though, because I love the way that sequence was shot. I love the overlapping. I, there was genuine tension there. Allison Pill was great. I thought all that was good. I don't get the sass of the Borg Queen. I, I mean, that's fair. I don't get it. And, and this is not to besmirch the actor. It is not to besmirch Leah Thompson as a director. It's just somewhere along the line, somebody made a decision. And instead of the Borg Queen being ice cold and, and straightforward. Straightforward and with a weird seductive quality occasionally, mm-hmm. but please don't overplay that. Uh, this felt a little oddly sassy. I don't very, yeah, very fair. Yeah. Maybe because she's not with the collective. Maybe maybe that's May, yeah. Is this the first time we've ever seen her not with the collective? Is it is yeah. it I feel like this is also the first time that we've seen her say something funny. Yeah. Picard asks her, what do you want? And she's like, well, I want legs to start with. And yeah. it's like, yeah. oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do I need a funny Borg queen? I don't know. Is she going to have a one-liner every week? I don't know if I need that. Between I mean, Gerardi and Rios, I, I think we've got enough. Uh, and Seven, too. I mean, we've got a yeah. lot of built-in comedy. And I, I love Rios. He is such a charismatic actor. And he's just... 
steals every scene he's in for me at least. And um, one other thing I find odd, and again, like John said, who knows how long we're going to be in the year 2024. It's a long season, yeah. uh, but it's odd that Soji's not here. I wasn't yeah. particularly uh, uh, connected to the character after season one, but she just had that basically a cameo in episode one. I hope she's not the watcher. That would disappoint me. I don't see how she could be since she's, mm. but who yeah. knows? It's Star Trek. So I, that, I hope that's not her. Yeah. I don't know who I hope it is yet. I don't, I don't really feel like I've landed on be like, Oh, I hope it's so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited that there's a lot of references to, previous episodes so yep well we shall see how that plays out cosmo pleasure to have you with us we are going to jump to our next caller in the interest of time here so uh, see you guys call back all right cheers take care okay now by the way this is a little insider but for anybody who is a member of the mission log discord and uh, if you joined us through patreon patreon.com slash mission log and you get to join us in discord and we have our thursday afternoon pretty much every thursday afternoon depends on scheduling uh we have our live talk back our live chat about that week's mission log and without fail our next caller he is there and it's about just past the halfway point he's very very quiet and then just jumps in with the thought that blows everybody's mind and i love that we have some callers like that we have valeria just constantly blowing listeners minds and we got sam who is next here now that's no pressure on you like we don't have to have a mind-blowing conversation tonight but i'm just just to let people know who you are and how much i appreciate you that's quite a build-up john now i'm expecting him to blow my mind and i was just like all right see you guys bye (laughs) can you hear me sam yes we can welcome to the show what is on your mind thank you uh yeah i don't know i don't there are so many things i could talk about but i'm gonna go with one uh timelines so talk about them um yeah so from quantum mechanics we get the multi-worlds interpretation as one possibility of quantum mechanics Mm -hmm. where every interaction has a probability distribution but only one can take place however um the multi-worlds interpretation says that they all take place and then we get parallel universes with slightly different parameters um that's the mirror universe in star trek because they are parallel timelines and in the sci-fi part you can jump between them right so that's not this that's not what happened here what happened here is that your timeline was altered right because you didn't um this is not picard going to the other universe and meeting an alternate picard this is the same picard there is no other picard in this universe correct it's not quite yesterday's Enterprise, which also did that because they all only know their timeline, except for Gaina. She's the only one who has an mm-hmm. inkling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not quite tapestry because in that one, Q sends him back. He gets to alter his past, and then he goes to the future, which is a little bit similar because he doesn't remember everything in between but he does know what he changed and he knows it's his timeline um so this is a different one altogether where they were transported to the same time the same it's the same universe alternate timeline but it's a weird thing because they remember 
And well, it's, it, it, yeah, that's like it's like a Star Trek four thing then because or, they, or they a are Nero in, thing. Yeah, well, yeah, they're sorry. in the same timeline. The, well, this, sorry, that's when they go back in time. Yeah, it's definitely like that. Yeah. So I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit. I'm. This is probably better for last week's, but this is when they transport to the oh, alternate timeline. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got it, got it, yeah. got it, got it, got it. Okay. So a weird thing happens where they all remember. Yeah. Um, but they are inside their own bodies, so their consciousness has been transferred or, yeah. or, or not altered. But there's a spatial transportation because they are not like in the same place or anything like that. Like, right. Like Brios is suddenly at Vulcan fighting, and then they have to get back and all that kind of weird stuff. Yeah. So there's like a trans. There's like a consciousness transfer from their body to their alternate body in the alternate timeline. The, see, this is a Q thing. This has got to yes. be, a, the, the, this is all cue mechanics. And by the way, I love how I set you up. You know, like, oh no, too much pressure. I can't. Let me talk to you about quantum mechanics and alternate timelines and multiverse. Uh, yeah. You know, you see, <laughs> that, that, that okay. was, yeah. That was all preface because here's, here's, here's my question. <laughs> all right, lay it this on. Is a weird, this is a weird one. Yeah. What happens to the consciousness of, their characters in the timeline from like there's an evil Picard and a president seven. And where did they go? I was just, those people are dead. Dead. Those, those, those memories are gone. uh, That consciousness was transferred to nowhere. Or, uh, or, or, or unless they... Q, unless Q has got uh, a museum somewhere <laughs> that is, you know, I in the wormhole or or wherever this alternate location can be that he can literally rip them out of space time, yeah, where they exist, store that, well, the body and the mind because they just pointed out it's our characters in their bodies with their their existing consciousness from the correct timeline. I, I would say it's not their bodies. It's really? only their conscious because really? seven, seven is not Borg. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. It, right like right. they, 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 they hand waved the card still being in the synthetic body. Yeah. Um, but Annika, it was never assimilated. She doesn't, she right. that is, that is, yeah, that is right. that body from that timeline of events. Oh man! It's the consciousness. That you <laughs> oh God! Uh, I do. We I, do you need a position in the writers' room because the, 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 this is wow. All right, I have to so, bring this up because this is. Yeah. I mean, it's, I know it's the it's the fun sci-fi part. It's not it's not the deepest part, but I it's it's fun. I love it. It's fascinating. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. So I, in, in our uh, fun little show that ends in nine minutes, I have no way to even begin to approach that. I'm going to leave that to our incredible audience who are writing in and uh, probably just, you know, making jokes at this point. Yeah. Uh, Chris talking about puppies on the Enterprise D. But look, folks, seriously, take, take this part seriously. Let's figure this out because that. That is such a great point. And I had not, until you explained it that way, had not wrapped my mind around it in quite that detail. So, yeah, there is an alternate General Picard somewhere, I'm going to say frozen in a tube, um, just waiting to be put back in his timeline when all this stuff gets fixed. Or, but wait a minute. But wait, 
but it is one timeline. Yeah, it is one timeline. So if that timeline gets fixed, they're gone. That body yeah. and consciousness has nowhere to be. Yeah. Or that consciousness has nowhere to be. Yeah. That, you know what? This mm. is giving me a headache. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, perfect fodder for Rick and Morty, which got a call out on this episode. <laughs> I'm, I messaged my, I yeah? messaged Mike. Yeah. I was like, was that about you? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the kind of thing that they would handle very well on that. Weird. So for those of you who don't, obviously they make a Rick and Morty reference. One of the writers on Rick and Morty is Mike McMahon. He's also the creator of Lower Decks. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So Mike McMahon also now exists. In- <laughs> Presumably. In, in, in this timeline. Yes. I have a headache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Sam, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I knew you'd do it. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope to see you Thursday. Yeah. Oh, I can't do it this Thursday. Ah! Oh, okay. no well, mind next blowing time. on Thursday. Next time, is- next time. Next time. All right, man. Take care. Right, have thanks. a good one. See you. All right. And coming up next, Paul. We've only had one Paul tonight, but I know that there are multiple Pauls in the chat. So representing all the Pauls is Paul Harveth. Welcome. How are you doing tonight? You know, I, I either follow Valeria or I follow Sam. So I think we all need to figure out this is the excellent time for the Doctor Who Star Trek crossover comic book to come back. Oh, yes. that was such a good comic book, wasn't it? If anybody can solve this, it would be the Doctor, of course. Maybe it is Q himself. It's the 14th Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, we're really limited to those options. Yeah. So I'm going to be quick. I know you got a few more people uh, want to come back. I want to give a shout out to the I don't know the actress's name who played the doctor opposite Rios. I thought that's yes. going to be a, a very interesting relationship to follow up. And who knows? Rios may have a brother in the future or I, I don't know what's going to happen there. But that's an interesting relationship they're building there. Don't, I, they, I thought, don't they give you like Kirk and Jillian vibes? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I thought she was great, and uh, and I hope that I mean I feel confident that we will see more of her in the next episode. But I I hope she's around. Yeah, I, I yeah really love that that energy, and also I I can't. Her I name really, is Saul Rodriguez. Okay, she's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, reminded me sort of Sarah Silverman. Sort of ah, look like her. I said that's the vibe I got. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the main thing I want to talk about or just leave here is just how great Allison Pill was in that. Basically, you know, changing back and forth between Board Queen herself, oh. back and forth. I I thought yeah, as good as Michelle Hurd was in her anger over yeah. Elnor. Yeah. Um, I thought Allison just nailed it. It makes everybody's making Picard look sort of stoic. You know, yeah. I, I, it's, it's right. amazing to watch the transition take place. But I will leave you with this. Is Elnor dead? No. no. I don't think he's dead. Well, oh, wait. I don't think no. he's dead here. I think that last thing he said about being in the moment might be some oh. sort of weird Romulan trick. We can oh. only hope. Oh, interesting. I mean, they were putting him in the morgue drawer. Oh, they zipped um, him in a bag, too. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, look, I, I think we all feel like he's coming back one way or another. But that so that's an interesting new theory, then, that he's potentially not actually dead. He's doing a thing. And why can't you just when somebody's that close to dying, why can't you just transport him and leave him in stasis? Thank you. Scotty paved the way. 
Yeah, Picard <laughs> was saw, there, and and well, her friends. They didn't even get transported to the right spots. Okay, like they're they didn't have enough power to do that. That's you didn't the have whole to go reason anywhere. Died. This has got to sit in the computer yeah, for a they while. They had to have they had to have <laughs> enough power to do that. They didn't have any power. Well, yeah. Yeah, right. just Rios go, got uh, transported to get in the stairwell. air. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, the, I, listen, the whole Girardi is like, we can't crash the ship into L.A. because it's super populated. you got to watch out for, for butterflies, stay away from hospitals and police. But these transporters are shot and we're just going to send you out there. And like <laughs> seven is in front of a child. Right. And Rios is immediately in the hospital because you just dropped him off of a fire escape. Like, yeah. like that seems ill advised. It worked out better for seven than it did uh, that uh, that kid in uh, time and again on Voyager where you just have a screaming child and then calling out Tom Paris. That's, <laughs> you know, that's no good. That ruined everybody's day. Uh. So, and we think we think the bell riots is a player here too, right? Well, yeah, okay. I'm going to get into this now that you've mentioned it. I was waiting for <laughs> Please do. <laughs> uh, okay, so Rafi beams in near a sanctuary district, um, and that is a callback to Deep Space Nine's past tense, which actually takes place in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And this is like what we saw is wildly similar to LA Today, and I feel like Trek has been very good at yeah. uh, predicting the future. Interestingly enough, though, the original story pitch of Past Tense was supposed to be a TNG episode, mm. and it was supposed to be Picard and LaForge traveling back to LA 1965, and they were going to live through the Watts riots. Um, but then they came up with the Bell riots, and it went to Deep Space Nine, and it's still our future now because we're two years yeah. before it. But... Um, I think that it's it starts an interesting conversation because this is still something that I mean, I live in L.A. John lives in L.A. Mm -hmm. Homelessness is a rampant problem, but like we don't like what is how do we solve that problem? And I think that the conversation that Rafi sort of started for me was she says hope meets hopelessness. I've never been able to understand how society could exist with so many contradictions and not collapse sooner mm-hmm. than it did. And she's referring to that scene like that there's um, a Europa project going on. I have a friend that actually worked on a Europa project. And, you know, the conversation that people have about this is what Rafi is implying is that we should have our handle our problems at home and not really be exploring space. But I'm of the mindset that we can do both. And without our exploration now, her future in Starfleet might not exist. And our exploration might actually help solve problems at home. I mean, it's it's a tough subject. But, you know, the Bell Riots were of such significance that their absence from Earth's history led to an alternate timeline in that short time that Bell was dead before Cisco became, mm-hmm. like, sort of became him, like, took, mm-hmm. took that upon himself. Um, the Federation was never created as a result of that. So, you know, Cisco says something in, in past tense um, to Bashir, who's asking like, what is this? It's a sanctuary district. He said um, they made some ugly mistakes, but they also paved the way for a lot of things we take now for granted. So I think that it's an interesting conversation. That's why I'm excited that they're referring back to it because it's even more, of an interesting conversation now, given that we're only two years to when that's supposed to happen. And it is a major problem in our society. I think we're absolutely going to see more and more of that tie in and more and more of that discussion in this season. So I'm, I'm definitely that's my tangent to that. Yeah, no, but it was a spot on tangent. It is absolutely the correct tangent. So thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, Paul, thanks. Thanks for my history. Yep. Um, Yeah. Thanks for that history, Holly. We'll see you guys. 
Take care. Uh, All right. Be good. UHC cards get mentioned too, which uh, they do. Yes. We don't really know what it stands for. Uh, maybe it's United Healthcare, but something we'll that's see. from past tense. Hey, we've got uh, one minute I, because I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. I say we, we, we are up against time, but I, I do just it is fun to cycle back to where we started the show in order to end it. Chris is back with a thought or two on Picard. What do you got for us, Chris? Hey, yes, I will try to be brief because I know we are up against the wall here. Here I am at the business tower. I love it. I love that right you're there. In downtown yes. LA. Yeah, yeah, very excited. That right is my... the Wilshire Grand Center, and it yes. actually is the tallest building in LA right now. Hmm. Okay, yeah. And I also, fun fact, the reverse shot, which I don't think I have loaded up here, um, there's a building behind the Seven and Rafi. That's the train station. That's the metro station mm-hmm. that I oh, right go to all the time. Um, cool. But something that I was here listening to, I Wild Shot in the Dark, I feel like the Ripper Project is going to be our MacGuffin this season because there's the poster this week. Um, and there are, in some trailers, there are other posters on buses. And most interestingly, there's a shot of Q in a jacket, and he has a Europa mission patch oh. on his yes. breast pocket. Oh. So I feel like this is going to be more than just a throwaway, that this is going to be perhaps something significant. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, every, great conversation tonight, wonderful character development. Um, we're doing great, firing in all cylinders. I want to see more of Rios' doctor friend. But yeah, Europa Project <laughs> is going to come back. Call it now. I love that. Europa love was in that. Discovery this week, too. So I'm very excited that people are taking notice of Europa. Uh-huh. It's my favorite moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, that's the perfect place to end it tonight. Thank you so much for calling in, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week, okay? Yeah, see you, man. All right, take care. All I right. I have to change my background, oh well. Well, hey, for that last moment, it's perfect. <laughs> All right. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided by the interplanetary Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to Holly, our co-host here on Mission Log Live. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.